Welcome to Stories in the Dark, a podcast about strange and creepy things. Come listen to the dark. I have a new story for you, everyone. This week's story is fresh and new. It is called The Crows and the Darkness. After you listen to it, don't forget, click subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com stories in the dark so you can help support our little podcast. And check us out on Twitter, SITD Podcast, for the latest news and updates and a chance to chat with me or Jeremy. But for now, listen to the crows. The crows always come with the darkness. She'd never been able to explain the darkness to anyone. And without the darkness, how could she explain the crows? The darkness was a thing of itself wholly and completely contained inside of her. I am not this darkness, she tells herself as she cleans her hands and face and the crows watch her from the wooden windowsill, the cream paint cracked and peeling under their claws. It is true, she is not, yet. There are no crows on Monday when she goes to work at the bank, walking on the sidewalk next to brownstones older than her world. There is no ringing in her ears as she counts out bills to ancient Mrs. Glasky, the florist, who comes in every Monday to get her purse money for the week. Today is a good day, she tells herself as she eats lunch in the break room upstairs, a small sandwich and an apple that she bites into, always surprised at the juice that wants to run down her chin and leave her sticky. Everything is fine, she says as she leaves work. She believes it, and so she ventures to the corner store to pick up some chocolate. A man catches her eye as she walks down the aisles, clutching the little plastic shopping basket. He smiles at her, long and slow, and she knows he wants her to go home with him. So she sets the basket down as her ears start to ring. She sets the basket down and walks right out the door. No chocolate, no wine, no strange man. She hurries down the street, her practical low heels clicking hollowly. A shadow passes overhead and she looks up and sees nothing. Maybe it is fine. Maybe it is nothing. 
But there, on the bench just outside the small park that lives between her apartment and the corner shop, a large black bird lands and stares at her. It doesn't even pretend that it's not watching her. The ringing in her ears gets louder and two more crows land next to the first. All three of them caw raucously as she speeds up as if they are laughing at her. They know she cannot escape because what she runs from lives inside her. She tries anyway. Her heart is pounding as she hurries. It sounds like wings beating in her ears. She sees the darkness coming, eddies of black at the edges of her vision. It is creeping in on her. It wants to consume her like the waves of the ocean. Her parents had taken her there when she was young. She hated the water. She hated the vast expanse, the emptiness. It's fine, they told her. Just let the water run over your toes. She stood on the sand, looking out into forever, and her parents held her hands while the foamy water ran up over her toes. It was cold. She shrieked, and her parents let go. They let go of her hands, and she ran straight into the water and didn't care that it wanted to take her away. And it did. It tried to drag her out into the deep. Her parents pulled her back out and hugged her tight and warmed her in towels and hugs while she stared out, dreaming of the abyss. They never went back to the ocean. But today, this Monday, she starts to run, seeing the darkness reaching for her like the waves that tried to drown her when she was young. And she trips on an acorn and starts to fall. And she knows that if she does, if she falls, she will never hit the ground. She will just fall into a black hole forever. And the darkness will finally at last, swallow her. But someone catches her elbow and pulls her up. It is the man from the shop. He is wearing a hat and she cannot see his face very well. But he is taller than she and he smells of smoke. Not like a campfire. Not like a cigarette, something else, a different kind of smoke 
like it's his body that is combusting and his hand is hot on her arm and his eyes burn under his hat. They are burning coals and she jerks her arm away. He grins and walks away from her. She watches a black feather drift down from his coat and she feels as though something has been lost, an opportunity. A door has closed, a door that she very much wanted to walk through, if only for a moment. The ringing in her ears is gone. The crows grumble and fly away after him, and she walks home alone. The darkness is quiet. It is not talking to her, telling her what to do. She doesn't know what to do. Tuesday comes and goes, as Tuesdays do. Wednesday passes too, although Wednesdays are a little trickier. The crows like to come on Wednesdays, but on this Wednesday, they stay away. She thought she saw one on the way home, but it was not a crow, just a fat pigeon a little darker than the rest. On Thursday, the day of storms, she sees him. She had stopped at a store, a different one, not ready to take risks, a clean store, not one that would trigger it, not one that would summon the beast inside her, a nice store where she can buy her bread and meat. She is not ready for chocolate again. She gets her simple things and puts them in her shoulder bag and he is there outside waiting for her. She looks up But the sky is clear in the blue-gray way of late winter, and she shivers and pulls her scarf closer. When she looks back, he is still there. A crow caws in the distance, but she does not look. She does not need to. The emptiness where something used to be tells her everything. Who are you? She asks and feels a tiny line of fire winding its way through her belly. Michael, he answers and his voice is ashes, smoke on the wind. He takes off his hat His black hair falls around his face, onto his shoulders like feathers. Why are you here? she asks, already walking away. He is next to her. I'd like to walk with you a ways, he says, his eyes burning. She keeps walking. I feel like I know you, she says softly, 
looking ahead at the crows lining the street. He shrugs and the world tilts a bit. She wonders what he will look like when he is dead. Will he still be just a bit fuzzy around the edges, like he is touched by smoke? Or will he look like everyone else? The crows laugh at her, but she is used to that. They love her. He comes into her apartment with her, and his kisses burn like the fire he carries inside him. She wants to drown in him. She wants to drown him. Instead, she gets the knife, the one she always uses, because rituals are important to her, and she'd like to feel like she used to feel. So she gets the knife and slips it inside the creamy white flesh of his chest while the crows watch in silence. She feels no anger. She has no hate. She just feels it, that thing she always feels, that strange joy. And she uses the knife to find out what lives inside him. She takes it into his twists and turns. And finally his eyes close as she finds his heart and takes it too. It is hot. It is as black and red as the coals of his eyes. And it is the size of her two hands. And it burns her as she holds it. And she licks it and sets it aside. She looks at the crows. They are waiting for something. Maybe for the usual treats she gives them. But he is special with his burning heart and his hair like feathers. They are waiting, but not for that, she supposes. She drinks him lovingly and puts the skin of his chest back together. He is so pretty. He is beautiful. The most beautiful of them all and she kisses him again. He is still warm. She cleans her hands and face and hums to herself. She has won. She has killed the darkness that lived inside of her. It stepped outside of her and lay with her, and she killed it at last. And she has never been so happy. She wonders if she should go to the coast. She would like to see the ocean again. If only her parents were still around. She would take them this time. She would let them feel the water 
And so she lays down next to him and sleeps and sleeps and sleeps. She does not wake until Saturday. Winter has turned to spring in that way it has of just happening some years. The sun shines weakly through her window and she smiles and stretches. The crows are gone. She finally turns to look at him wondering how she will get rid of him. He is larger than she is used to. So very tall he was. But then he sits up too and smiles. He takes his heart from the small bedside table and carefully puts it back in his chest and smooths the skin back over it. And while she is staring at him, he leans over and kisses her, and he tastes like cinnamon and sparks. He smooths her hair and traces strange shapes on the back of her neck with his long, smooth fingers. Your turn. He whispers and picks up the knife she left next to the bed. Her knife. And the room is suddenly filled with crows as a shadow moves through the sky outside and passes between them and the sun. (laughs) 